the most hopeful sources are your professors. <laughs> That's what I would tell any student. Like, use your professors as much as possible. Here's the thing: we live in the world now where there is so much information. So you can go to YouTube, you'll find information about periodontology. That's like uh, one of the modules that I have. You go to Google, you also find information about periodontology. You go to Instagram, you also find information about periodontology. But whoever's teaching you, you're not sure if they're legit. You're still young, you still have a lot of life to live. You can make, I'm not saying you can go on and make wrong decisions, but you can make different choices and it may turn out to be good still. But just be sure that whichever choice that you make, you're going to 100% put in all your efforts. What is up, guys? It's Cinder here. Welcome to today's episode of the School Leavers Roadmap Podcast, where we talk about all things navigating the real world after school, college, or university in a holistic way, be it in academics, careers, and beyond academics. We do so by being able to walk through the life journeys of our amazing guests who give us the privilege of listening to their stories from when they left high school to where they are at at the point of recording a particular episode. What you just heard are snippets from today's episode, which is a great conversation I had with Edson Mumba. He is currently pursuing dentistry in Algeria. And throughout this episode, he walks us through his life journey, navigating the real world after high school, applying for scholarships, interviews, settling in in Algeria, and what it's like pursuing dentistry my hope is that throughout this whole conversation you pick up a thing or two which can help you make an informed decision when it comes to deciding what you want to do and where you want to do that thing after high school and also just to know more about different places in the world and also different things which other people are pursuing now one emphasis i would like to make is that Make sure you take any piece of advice you take from this episode, the episodes prior to this one, and the episodes coming in the future with a pinch of salt because as we all know, what somebody might consider a pro might be a con for somebody else. What someone might see as an obstacle might be a walk in the park for somebody else. Basically, one man's meat is another man's poison. And what we are not trying to do on this podcast is to paint the whole canvas with one brush. That being said, remember to subscribe to the podcast if you love it and to share it with those who think might gain value as they make those tough, life-changing decisions, be it in academics, careers, and beyond academics. Let's get into it. Navigating your way into the real world after school, college, or university can be a daunting task. You might know what you want to do but just don't know where to start from, or you may not have the facts to help you decide what you really want to do. Inasmuch as I believe that embracing the uncertainties of life is part of the process, I strongly believe that you don't have to dive in blindly or start from scratch because other people have been where you are and you can learn from them. Welcome to the School Leavers Roadmap Podcast, a podcast that brings you insights and present experiences from different amazing people to hopefully equip you with actionable strategies to make informed decisions and seize opportunities as you figure out your life. Not only that, on this podcast, we debunk myths, review untold truths, and give it to you straight so you don't learn things the hard way 
because experience is the best teacher. I'm your host, Lyndon Sindano. Let's dive in, shall we? Okay, so Edson Mumba, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for creating time to come and be with us here. Um, how are you doing? I'm great. And how are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Thank you. So uh, you are studying in Algeria, right? Yes. Yeah. So can you please like take us through the process of how that came to pass? Like, How did that happen? First of all, I have to make it clear that I didn't know anything about scholarships uh-huh. when i completed high school didn't know the procedure uh-huh. and i remember one day i was with my brother and i just received a call from one of my friends who was in the copper belt and he told me bro why aren't you applying for scholarships they've been advertised there's the russian and chinese scholarship that have just been advertised uh-huh. need to apply you have good results i was like oh really what's the procedure and then from then, he sent me the the advertisement on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I quickly rushed to Livingstone to get my results. I didn't have my results when my friend first told me about it. So I had to rush, go to Livingstone, get my results, get my recommendation letters, and then go back to Lusaka. I also didn't have my documents in place, mm-hmm. like the passports, the birth certificates. So mm-hmm. I had to apply for that. I had to apply for the passport, apply for the for the other necessary documents that I needed. And then after that, I applied to the Russian scholarship. That was the first scholarship that I applied to. Okay. And at that time, I also wanted to apply to the Chinese scholarship, but then they said you cannot apply for one. Mm-hmm. So we applied to a Russian scholarship a couple of months. Mm-hmm. No, a month later, mm-hmm. they called me. They, they said, that's on. You've been one of the students that have been given the opportunity to attend interviews under the Russian scholarship. And I was asked to attend the interview. I went there. Mm-hmm. I attended the interview and they said, after a week, they'll be calling the names of those that have succeeded. And if you haven't been caught, then probably you haven't been picked. A week passed and I didn't receive a call. Mm-hmm. Tried asking some of my friends and blessings. The guy who was in Russia is one of the guys that I asked because we we met during the interview mm-hmm. and asked, uh, have you been picked? He said, no. I asked a couple of other friends that I knew if they had been picked mm-hmm. and they weren't picked too. So I was surprised what's happening here. Like, have they even called anybody? And there was some information that went out that they didn't actually call anybody mm-hmm. uh, because there were problems that were happening between the Russian embassy and the scholarship board at that time. Okay. So I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if they were ever going to call the people that succeeded for the Russian scholarship. Mm-hmm. Initially, they had called some that had gone for the interviews earlier, like for medicine, for biomedicine uh, and other courses. But for me, I'd gone under electrical engineering and mm-hmm. we didn't, nobody was called. So we kept waiting and waiting. Two months later, uh, there was some information that came out that they will now start calling the people that succeeded. And one day I just received the call. Mm-hmm. They said, you come to the board, you come to the center of scholarships and mm-hmm. 
we need you there. And when I went there, they said, unfortunately, the number of students that is needed for the Russian scholarship is few. And the number of students that we initially selected was more. So mm-hmm. we've decided that some students will be allocated to Algeria. Okay. And I also met some of my friends there that had also attended the interviews under the Russian scholarship. And they also told me the same information that they, have, they had been allocated to Algeria. So in that year, 2018, mm-hmm. there wasn't actually anybody that attended interviews to study in Algeria. Okay. Everybody that came to Algeria in that year, they had applied to the Russian scholarship. And because the number of people that had been selected was more than what the the Russian government de- demanded, they decided that some people would be allocated to Algeria. So about 25 of us, they gave us the opportunity to study in Algeria. Mm-hmm. And when we went there, they didn't allow us to pick our own courses. Okay. So for me, I was I just remember I was one of the students that was late there and she just said, come in, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to give you dental surgery. Do you know anything about it? I was like, no. Whoa. Can you do it? Yeah, I can do it. I believe I can do anything. So mm-hmm. I just went for it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I was given the medicals. I went to do the medicals later on. I found myself in Algeria. That is the brief history of how the experience was for me. That was kind of crazy. What year was that? That was 2018, right? Yes. Okay. So I have heard some stories of like some confusions which happened between the laws board and the people. Is it at the embassy or at the Russian center? Yes. Like I don't know, because like if you know you need like a hundred students, why would you select a lot? So I really don't understand too, but I think what it was is uh in the advertisement, they said they wanted 150 students. Mm-hmm. And I believe the Russian board, the board, the Zambian scholarship board selected the number of students that was needed, that was 150. But then the Russian embassy came in and wanted to include students that were studying Russian there mm-hmm. at the embassy. And they also had exams there at the Russian embassy. So they wanted to fix those students within the 150 that the Russian government wanted. And that's where the problem arose. Okay, because I've heard like there are some people who, if they already know about the scholarship, they go to the Russian center and start studying Russian to prepare themselves. And then when it's now time, I don't know if it's for interviews or at which point of the application process, they kind of come and join the group of people who applied through the loans board. And that's where like the confusion starts, I guess. Yes, uh, I wouldn't give much information about that all i know is that was what was explained to me that the number of students that they had selected mm-hmm. exceeded the number of students that they the russian government demanded so they had to give us an opportunity to study somewhere else otherwise i'm not sure about how that whole confusion comes in mm-hmm. yes so like i kind of got lost as i was listening uh, you guys were told you were going to Algeria before the interviews or after you did them? We did the interviews under the Russian scholarship uh-huh. and they said we should wait to be called and unfortunately they didn't call anybody. So, you know, there is that time where like everybody's waiting to be called and then you hear, oh, your friend from Kalingalinga has been called or your friend from uh-huh. Livingston has been called. Uh-huh. But for us, it was a situation where nobody was being caught, so mm-hmm. we didn't know what was happening. 
then later on it's like that's when they came to a decision okay. the the russian embassy and the zambian scholarship board made an agreement i'm sure the agreement was that they will allow some of the students from the russian embassy to join in mm-hmm. to be part of the 150 students that they needed under the russian scholarship okay got you so um, during the whole application process, while you were applying to come and study in Russia, did you have like any difficulties along the way or like any mistakes which you made, which you wish somebody should kind of like avoid to make? I don't think there were specific mistakes that I made. Mm-hmm. I think I had some proper direction that was being given to me. Mm-hmm. There was a guy in Russia named Mbao. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I got the name right, but he had created a group for students that graduated from Eucharist National Technical Secondary School. Mm-hmm. And in that group, he allowed us to ask questions about anything concerning scholarships. Mm-hmm. So when there was something that I didn't understand, I was quick to ask in the group or ask some of my friends that were in the group. So we always shared information and we knew what to do. Once uh, we started that application process, we knew what to write in the synopsis. We knew how to write the application letter and how to write the CV. Mm -hmm. We were given direction by some of the guys that had already been given the opportunity to study outside the country. Okay. Yes. That's a good idea because like in most places, people don't know if they one person that went to go is like, that's it. Yeah. But since you guys had a group, I feel like that's good. So you were at Hillcrest, that is right? Yes, Livingstone. Okay. I just kind of heard like Hillcrest is like a good school and stuff like that. I would say so. I would agree. It's the best school. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm biased because that's where I was. But I believe it's the best government school in Zambia. Uh It's a national school. Uh It selects students from all over the country. Uh And they select... The best students. Yeah. I was given the opportunity to study there mm-hmm. after my grade nine results. I believe I was one of the people that performed well, so mm-hmm. I was allowed to go to Hillcrest. And my experience there was great. I learned a lot. I think if I didn't have the opportunity to go to Hillcrest, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have learned much of what I needed to know. I think I was exposed to the information that I needed to know to, to be able to have a successive life after completion. Mm-hmm. It's unavoidable that you learn something. Hucrest is, as I said, it's a school that selects students from all over the country. So you meet great minds from different parts mm-hmm. of the country, from different walks of life. Mm-hmm. And these are people that are going to always, you're always going to have an opportunity to learn something from somebody. Yeah. And that was something that I believe was so useful to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's why it's so like, can you talk about, like, what, while you were at Hillcrest, or I don't know when this started, did you kind of always have it in your head, like, you wanted to study abroad, but you did not know how to go about the whole thing? Yes. It's weird, but I always had this feeling of studying outside the country from maybe the age of eight. Yeah. And why I say it's weird is because I didn't know anybody who had studied out of the country. I didn't know any family member. I didn't know any friend or any friend of my older brother or any friend of my dad that had studied outside the country. I didn't know anybody, but I just had this thing in my mind is 
was something that was just imaginatory. I was thinking that one day I would find myself outside the country. You know, that thing where you learn something in geography. It's your first time mm-hmm. looking at the globe and you look at the map. You're like, oh, this is Italy. This is England. This is Russia. This is China. This is Algeria. And then yeah. you just start imagining yourself in, those in these places. You're like, okay, one day I'll find myself in this country. One day I'll find myself uh, in this place. And I'm glad that it turned out to be a dream come true for me. Yeah, happy <laughs> for you. That started uh, like eight years old. Yes, and I remember sometimes I would tell my brother, like, oh, I'm going to study abroad. He's like, are you crazy? Like, what is that? <laughs> Nobody has ever done it in this family. Like, yeah. why even, like, imagine something that looks impossible? Mm-hmm. And even in eighth grade, I would be with my friends and I'd be telling them stories of how I'm going to go outside the country. Yeah. Everything found that weird. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not more about just living Zambia. It was just about the opportunity to be able to explore uh, other cultures, the opportunity to be able to learn what happens in different parts of the world. It's not like I hated Zambia and I was just like, I just have to leave this country. I don't want to be in this country. Mm -hmm. No, for me, it was just like, I want to have this chance to go somewhere else and see the way of life of other people, Mm -hmm. uh, get the opportunity to study in these well-accredited universities, Mm around the world. I was at that dream and I would always talk about it in throughout my life. As I said, from eight years and then in junior secondary school, in high school, I would talk about it with my friends. Oh, I'm, I'm going to find myself in this country. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was never something that was a clear path. Okay. As I said, that when the scholarships were first advertised, my friend told me, mm-hmm. that's when you need to apply. I didn't know where to start from, mm-hmm. but I always had the idea of growing up about scholarships and I always wanted this opportunity to come true because it was something that I had dreamed of for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Because so I guess people sometimes just kind of have a feeling about what they want and what kind of is going to happen in the future. Because, I mean, you might want to do something. You don't know how to do it, but you find that you still want to do it and everybody around you thinks like you are crazy, but you're like, no, I'm going to do it. Exactly. And when you actually do it, it's really amazing because it kind of like shows the power of believing in yourself. So for me, when I think about believing in yourself, I don't feel like you just believe in yourself and then things start to happen, but it kind of gives you the drive Yes. To believe in something which you don't know exactly if it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. Or let's say I am thinking that, okay, medical school is hard. I'm not going to make it. It's not going to give me the motivation to study and kind of get through it. But if I tell myself I can do it, even if it's hard, it's just kind of giving me the energy to pull through all the obstacles and roadblocks which are there. Not necessarily like magically making things come true but just giving you like the drive so i love that that actually helped you yes i think it's something that has been said by a lot of great minds the power of manifestation you say great things about your life then you go for it yeah you have the determination to pursue that which you dream of Mm -hmm. Of course, if you just say, no, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be the president, but you don't take any actions towards that, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So for me, I had that dream and 
I knew that one of the ways to accomplish that was working hard. Mm -hmm. I knew once I managed to get good results at ninth grade, I would go to one of the best schools in the country. And once I got to that best school, I would have an opportunity to learn from different people. And then after grade 12, if I perform well, I also have an opportunity to be able to apply wherever I want. Because a lot of people, the thing that they're focused on is, and that's speaking for my country in Zambia, they're focused on having a connection. Mm-hmm. Like they think, I need a connection to get somewhere. Yeah. That wasn't something I worried about. Mm-hmm. The thing that I worried about was I need to perform well. Mm-hmm. My results are going to speak for me wherever I go. Yeah. Whichever office that I enter in, whichever interview that I attend, my results are going to speak in. That was my mindset throughout my journey in secondary school. Exactly, because like... People don't know you. Most, I mean, even those people who say they quote unquote have connections, if those people are there, it means they're not a lot. But look at the rest of the people who apply and they still go, even if they don't know anyone, because they have something speaking for them in their absence, which is their results. You know, yes. there used to be this thing of, I don't know if it was just hating on the people who did well in school, but they like saying like, Okay, people who get six points, like they are the ones who stay in society for a long time, like just pass and you'll be good to go. You don't necessarily have to get six points. So, yeah. I mean, I disagree because I feel like the better your marks are, the easier it is for you to find like more opportunities. Let's say you get six points, you can literally, for those who don't know, six points is like the highest, I guess, grade you can get after your high school exams in Zambia. So uh, when you get six points, it means that you can literally apply to anything you want. You can apply for medicine, engineering, like literally anything. If you can go to business school, anything. But if you don't have good marks, it means you kind of be restricted. For example, for the scholarship, right, if you want to apply for medicine, you need to have one or three, and then you need to be taking pures. So like... You kind of have to put yourself in a position where you do not have a lot of restrictions so that at least you apply, you're allowed even just to apply. You are right about the high school mentality. That's something that we all heard in high school. Most intelligent guys are the ones that end up sticking in society forever. Most intelligent guys are the ones that end up being poor in Mm -hmm. life. And maybe that's, that's what the statistics say, but I would quickly respond to anybody that say that to me and say that's not gonna be Mm -hmm. me i believe performing well is the best thing for me i believe this is what's gonna grant me the best opportunity to achieve what i want and i think that's the mindset that everybody needs to have in whatever they Mm -hmm. do we understand that school may not necessarily be the thing that makes you successful in life but one thing that One mindset that everybody needs to have is whatever you do, put in 100% of your effort. That was the mindset that I had in high school. If it meant studying more than my friends, spending most of my time not playing around, making noise, I had to do that. I made sure that I put in all the effort that I needed so that I can uh, get good results. If I ended up with bad results and the scholarship came, they said they want people with grades from one to three that means it would have been my fault for not uh, having worked hard yeah that means that opportunity has been eliminated from 
I, I don't have the chance to get that opportunity just because I didn't want to work hard when I had the opportunity to do that. So it's better if I work hard and then when the opportunity rises, I have a chance. And if I don't get a chance, there might be another opportunity that will rise and I'll have another chance. So whenever you have your best results, you have the best chances at every opportunity that can come about in your life. Yeah. It's not only one scholarship that's going to be advertised. And so not only scholarships, maybe other uh, sectors of life that might need your results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really agree because... I mean, results, they will definitely speak for you. I agree with that, like 110%. Um, during the interviews, how did like, your interview process go for you guys? Um, what questions were you asked? By then you were doing questions, I mean, interviews for civil engineering, right? Electrical engineering. Oh, electrical engineering, electrical engineering, yeah. So, like, how did that whole process go? Yes, so the interviews were quite short. Mm -hmm. They asked brief questions, straightforward. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions that was asked was, how can you, being handed this opportunity to study in Russia, mm -hmm. help? To, towards the development of Zambia. Mm -hmm. I had to answer that question and I had been prepared for that. Okay. And in every student that's going to attend interviews is supposed to think about answering a question like that. Mm -hmm. You have to be prepared to give good responses. Mm -hmm. These people, they are giving you an opportunity to study outside the country because they believe you're going to gain knowledge from there and then come back to the country and contribute towards the development. So if you don't have an idea on how your course is going to be helpful towards any growth of the country, then that's, you're not going to explain well and you're not going to be given that opportunity. They will know that you're only looking for this scholarship for your own personal gain. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was the question. That was the main question that was asked. The other questions that uh, I was asked were about my background, mm -hmm. my life in high school, what I did to prepare myself to study electrical engineering. Mm -hmm. And I explained to them, I participated in jets competitions. I was uh, active in the mathematics club. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I did in high school to prepare myself for any opportunity that would come my way. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I'm somebody that... that clearly knew what I was going to do. And I think that's a thing for most school leavers. They mm -hmm. don't know which career they're going to pursue. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. It's okay to not know. I believe your mind is capable of doing anything. And you can, as long as you work towards it, you can manage to do it. So when I applied under electrical engineering, I didn't think about it twice. I was just like, let me try it. I mm -hmm. think there's an opportunity. Maybe if I'm granted the opportunity, I'll, I'll go for it. I'll study it and I'll obviously be helpful to the country. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, I was also thinking, if I apply in medicine, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to accomplish it. If I apply in economics, it's the same thing. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. It just, in that moment, I didn't think twice. I just chose electrical engineering and went for interviews, did them. Didn't take long to just uh, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm interview mm -hmm. then another person comes in okay yeah. yeah i was even about to ask you about what do you think kind of high school did for you or you did in high school to kind of prepare yourself for 
the future but i guess he talked about that so yeah unless you want to add something which you think something which maybe hillcrest offered you to kind of help you for what was coming ahead i think i mentioned the basic things uh jets Mm-hmm. being a club mm-hmm. just obviously for junior engineers technicians scientists mm-hmm. is a club that's really helpful mm-hmm. and i was a participant mm-hmm. i was one of the students that represented eucharist in mathematics olympias at district level and at provincial level as well and then i also went to the national level oh, and you are kidding you to school like I tried. <laughs> I tried, yes. So yeah, I was lucky enough that I was awarded first position at national level in senior mathematics olympias and I think that was something that I had put so much effort in and I was determined that if I accomplish it it's one of the things that I'll add to my CV. It's one of the things that will speak for me. Mm-hmm. And it was something that was told to us mm-hmm. the people that were ahead of us would tell us you need to participate in clubs mm-hmm. i was a heavy participant in jets and i was also in the mathematics club mm-hmm. and i made sure that i put in maximum effort in that because they always told us about how useful it is to participate in that mm-hmm. about how that can make your cv even better mm-hmm. and that's the thing that i focused on the most uh and after school obviously when applying i attached that to my cv i attached the certificates that i had and when i went for interviews i also showed them the the, the originals because during interviews they ask you to come with the original certificates that you attach to your to your cv whatever you attach to your cv if it's your recommendation letter your your certificate of achievement in high school maybe at one point you were the best you, you were the best student in geography whatever subject whatever you are you, you attach there mm-hmm. they will ask for the original during interviews and i had the originals i went with them there during the interviews mm-hmm. i think that's the most important thing that i would say just be participant in clubs and work hard mm-hmm. get good results <laughs> yeah i love like to say that because i mean i was a kind of person who ran away from jets for some reason i mean i loved science math not really it's not like i was terrible at math i was actually good but i just i did not want to go the extra mile with math but science yeah so i was participating in clubs which did not necessarily have something to do with what i wanted to study or do after school so um what are you studying now right now i'm studying medicine but i participated in like presentations for history when i was in 11th and 12th grade it was called the social is so stars social so stars yes sciences quiz and fair something like that yeah yeah so like we used to go first of all my school had like six classes for let's say 12th grade has got six classes we have the general subjects which everybody has and then there are some differences is a pure class there are some people who take like accounts and commerce others take eco- home economics and zambian language others like design and technology in short there are just a lot of different classes so first of all you start with presentations for inter classes when you win that they'll do inter schools when you win that level you go to 
district level and provincial and stuff like that so i mean i loved history like i was killing the presentations <laughs> anyways i just feel like if i did something which was related to what i'm studying now i probably would have put it in my cv but i felt like it wasn't necessarily relevant like medicine and history I mean, maybe it is. I just did not see a way in which I could connect them. But anyways, if you are kind of set on what you want to do, it's better, I guess, to participate in things which like relate to these things so that when you put your whole CV together, it comes out nice. Yes, yes. But a lot of people don't know what they're actually going to do. That's the problem. So the best thing is just be active in whatever you can mm -hmm. do in high school. Yeah. Whatever you are in love with at that moment, do it. You don't know what's going to help you when you complete high school. Yeah. So just be active. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After you guys were done with the interviews and it was kind of like clear that, all right, you guys are going to go to Algeria. What are some of the things you were required to do before coming? Um, I mean, we did medicals and stuff like that. But yesterday I was interviewing somebody else. And it seems like depending on where you go, like the things you're about to, you're supposed to do are different. So I'm kind of asking this question to kind of help prepare people on the financial standpoint of things, because most of the times they won't tell you like what you're supposed to do is just kind of like okay on monday you're supposed to bring these documents you're supposed to do that and then you discover that you're actually supposed to spend money on those things so like what were those things which you guys kind of did before going i don't know if i just can't remember well but for us medicals were what required the most money for us mm -hmm. once we did the medicals they told us we have to wait for the final selection. They sent our names to the Algerian government and here they had to review our results, had to review all the documents that we had attached. Mm -hmm. And maybe one thing that I would mention is for Algeria and Morocco, it's obligatory to come with, to, to attach your birth certificate. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we had attached that and then everything else that was needed, we attached them. Then we had to wait for about three months. That was from... July, August, September, and then October, that's when they told us that the final selection has been done. And then they called us to attend the the final orientation. Mm -hmm. I think people should just be prepared to have enough finances for the documents that they need in the first place when applying for the passports, mm -hmm. for the passport size photos, mm -hmm. uh, certifying your papers at the police, Mm -hmm. Then once you're selected, you need your, your medicals. You need to have your money ready for medicals. You need to have money ready for the birth certificate. You also need it when applying for Algeria and Morocco. So you need to have that in place. Mm -hmm. I think that is the most important. Those are the most important things that you need to do. You just need uh, maybe, I would say, a budget of 3,000 kwacha and everything will be done with, within that 3,000 kwacha. Unless you want to be bowling out in the circle. because this is something that I noticed for a lot of students. Maybe they come from other places in the country. They come from Luansha or Petaoke or Mongo. And then mm -hmm. they ask for the 
specific amount that they need from their parents for the passports and then they come to Lusaka, start bowling out, they start living the lifestyle that they can't afford and then later they run out of funds. But if your focus is on getting the scholarship, you don't need a lot of money. I think a budget of 3,000 quads would be enough to cover all what is needed for the Algerian scholarship and for the Moroccan scholarship as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was actually about to ask about like what amount do you think it will cost? Because for me personally, I don't think I remember. But yeah, how about the visa though? Do you guys have like visas and stuff like that for you to be able to live in those countries legally or it's not required? For us to come from Zambia to Algeria, mm-hmm. we needed the visas and we didn't have to pay any money. Mm-hmm. The government did that for us. They applied for the visas for everybody and they just gave us a few days before leaving. Mm-hmm. Then once we come here, we need to get a certain document mm-hmm. that called carte de séjour. Mm-hmm. That's in French, which is like the card that permits you to stay in this country. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to leave Algeria, you also need that carte de séjour. Mm-hmm. I'm sure in Morocco, it's also called the same thing because in Morocco, they also use French. Okay. That's the official document that is needed for any foreign student that is studying in this country okay so like do you have to renew that document yearly or just get it once and you're done here in nigeria is renewed every two years mm-hmm. i heard some rumors that there will be some changes mm-hmm. i heard now they will be wanting the document to be renewed every six months mm-hmm. which is not gonna be good for us but yeah those are changes that i've just heard of these are just rumors i'm not sure but yeah, the most important news is the most important thing is that's the document that you need to stay here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So now let's talk about like the transitioning from leaving your home country to going to Algeria. Um, how was like the adaptation process for you guys? Adapting to a new environment, new culture. Did you have any cultural shock and things in those lines? I think it was easy, mm-hmm. personal. I didn't find any problem that I would think of at the top of my mind. Mm-hmm. I think the the biggest thing that arises for everybody is the language barrier. Mm-hmm. But it's something that I am I believe you can always get through mm-hmm. it's something that after a couple of months you adapt and you won't have problems with that mm-hmm. when we we got selected we got the opportunity that we we're gonna study in Algeria mm-hmm. a couple of our students started doing French lessons there was a, a place in Lusaka near Manda here where we found the tutor mm-hmm. and he helped us learn a couple of French basics mm-hmm. however despite the basics that we had when we came here it was still difficult to understand when the Algerians speak. Mm-hmm. But that's not something that's going to prevent you from living your life normally. I think the other good thing is when you come to this country, you'll find some seniors, you'll find people that are going to help you. Mm-hmm. You'll find people that have been settled in this country for a long time and they're going to always give you direction. They're going to help translate for you. Yeah, And that's the way it was for us. Like mm-hmm. If we want to go to a shop and buy something, in the first few days we'd 
have the senior go with us and then he explains we buy whatever we want mm. after a couple of months you will just find yourself finding it easy to just go to a shop and ask for whatever you want because those things easily stick as you keep on doing the same thing every day mm-hmm. some words just become part of your vocabulary mm-hmm. and then it becomes easy so i wouldn't say there was any particular problem that i experienced when i came here the transition was easy mm-hmm. yeah yes that's good so like what is the name of the same place do you remember the name of the language to the or does he have like an instagram or facebook account where he advertises himself or herself i actually don't remember i'm sorry <laughs> i wish i could remember and uh, help some students that are gonna study in morocco and algeria to go and do some french basics over there but mm-hmm. i don't remember it's been a long time i had this number mm-hmm. but i changed my phone a couple of times and i'm not in contact with him anymore okay so like were you guys going to like his place or it's like a whole kind of institution yeah it was an institution okay it's near manda hill would like get buses from where, wherever we are living then get there mm-hmm. and do the lessons it's it's not, it's not his place it's an institution i'm sure it's just one of the teachers that teaches okay. at that place then if it's an institution i mean if there are no changes it means the place is still there people can just kind of ask like where do they teach french near manda hill maybe somebody can show them yes i'm sure yeah okay so um when like in which month did you arrive in that country and when does the academic year start the academic year in algeria starts in september mm-hmm. and the time for arrival for students from whichever countries is not specific mm-hmm. some students arrive in october some students arrive in november mm-hmm. the first year you don't do any studies that concern your course the mm-hmm. first year you have to start different so you can arrive at whatever time mm-hmm. and for us we arrived in october we arrived on the 30th of october mm-hmm. started doing our french lessons a month later mm-hmm. we had students from other countries that arrived as late as january mm-hmm. then they did french in six months so mm-hmm. yeah there is no specific time period that students are supposed to arrive here because the first year is not uh it's not obligatory it's no it's obligatory but it's not part of your course you just have to study french mm-hmm. and then after the, the you have your french studies you use the certificate to go and do the inscription at whatever university that you're going to study and for us during our time mm-hmm. all students had to study french from one place okay. it wasn't like the way you guys do it in russia where when you arrive everybody goes to the university directly for us mm-hmm. Everybody was in one place. We studied French together. And then after, mm-hmm. that's when we were divided to go to our own universities. And we had to inscribe to our universities using the French certificate. So it's important. You have to, to pass your, your, your French. You have mm-hmm. to have an A2 certificate. Mm-hmm. There are levels in French. There's A1, A2, B1, B2. C1, C2, I guess. C1, C2, yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. A level of A2 is enough for you to inscribe at uh, any university in Algeria. And you need that certificate. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we managed to get the certificates by the end of June. Then afterwards, in September, we had to go to our different universities, inscribe and started our, our courses. And that was the beginning of my journey in dentistry, okay. September 2019. 
Okay. Okay. So, um, seeing that you guys kind of arrived late, right? Yes. Was there like the French you guys learned enough for you to be able to go and already start learning stuff concerning your courses? Like if it's dentistry, medicine or engineering or anything like that? My personal opinion is it's never going to be enough to learn a language in one year and think that's going to be enough for you to study whatever course mm-hmm. is nonsense. It's never going to be enough. You just need to work hard. You just need to be determined that despite the language difficulties that you're going to have, you still have to do what you came here for. Mm-hmm. We have people that learn English for 12 years but still struggle to use it in their studies. Yeah. So it's not going to be easy to just learn a new language in one year and use it to study dentistry and use it to study geology and use it to study medicine. It's going to be tough. So for me specifically, after completion of my French year, I still couldn't speak French. Mm-hmm. I still couldn't understand French well. Mm-hmm. I, would, I remember attending my first lesson in dentistry and I could barely get anything. Mm -hmm. It was so tough that I thought I'm not going to manage. I'm not going to succeed. But then I dismantled that, no, no matter what it takes, I need to make sure that I accomplish that which I came here for. And that's the mindset that you need to have. Whichever student that goes to whatever foreign nation, you need to be Mm -hmm. determined that despite the barriers that you may have with the language, you will eventually adapt. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's so true because like you cannot, I mean, there's the basic language and then there's kind of like the scientific language in your case. Yes. So that one, for the most part, um, you won't manage to learn everything in time for you to prepare yourself. So you just just kind of need to have the mindset like, okay, I'm going to do it. And yes. with time, it's going to become easier. So now, let's talk about uh, what you are studying, dentistry. How long is the program of dentistry in Algeria? And um, what do you think are some of the high school subjects or A-levels which kind of can help to better prepare you for this course? Uh, Dentistry in Algeria is six years. Mm -hmm. The degree program is called doctor of dental surgery or doctor of dental medicine Mm -hmm. the first five years is intense learning and exams and the last year is internship Mm -hmm. so together it makes six years and you need to do that for you to be awarded the degree Mm -hmm. Um, concerning the subjects that you need in high school i would say you only need biology Yes, that's the the funny thing. Like we study so much subjects, so many subjects in high school, but then once you get to whatever course that you want to do, you realize you only needed maybe one subject for that course that you're doing. But it is what it is. You can't complain about that. Yeah. Uh, Biology is the most important subject that you need to concentrate on if you want to do any medical course. Mm -hmm. I agree 150%. 
because i mean i feel like why we learn so much stuff is probably to kind of help us apply to kind of anything i guess yes not to just go in one place because uh, we have limited opportunities so maybe that maybe yeah uh, it's okay it's okay that we study a lot of subjects because as i said as we said most students don't actually know what they're gonna do mm-hmm. so if you study a lot of subjects you have a vast opportunities that you can pursue if you want to do law and you did history and civil education it's going to be easy for you if you want to do medicine if you want to do engineering whatever course that you want to pursue it's going to be easy because you had all those subjects that you did in high school so it's about having a variety of choices after after completion of your high school so mm-hmm. i can't complain about that but the one subject that i needed the most one subject that is super important for dentistry is biology. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you do A-levels before going to Algeria or just kind of were direct from high school into university? I didn't do A-levels uh-huh. and it's not needed. Okay. For any student that wants to study in Algeria, wants to study in Morocco, wants to study in... I don't know about Russia, but I mean, as far as... Yes. I mean, I feel like I can answer the question as far as medicine goes. If you just nailed your biology, chemistry, you're good to go. I mean, I did not do A-levels myself, so I guess we could ask the person who did them and so that they can tell us how helpful they were. But no, I don't think we need them because either way, like for us here in first year, we have these subjects which like they're very very short courses for example physics again we revise biology again so it's not like you'll be learning the whole physics the one you learned to high school they kind of pick topics which are related to medicine so for example on i mean is it a thermo no not thermodynamics is it dynamics of fluid or something like that yes we needed to learn that topic because we'll be learning about hemodynamics right yeah. the movement of blood and stuff like that so we need to understand the physics of movement of fluids we looked at optics we have a lot of like i don't know what do they call them equipment which they use in the medical field which require like light and stuff like that microscopes and everything in between and then we also have these like x-ray machines and stuff like that so that's like the physics which we were learning and the biology i mean we were not learning plants biology again it's like human biology they just call it biology but it's human biology so yeah we focus mainly on the human body cells and stuff like that so even if you did not do a levels i feel like you'll be fine yes because they will kind of still come and like prime you if that's the right word, before you even start studying all these things. The advice I would give to any school leaver that wants to study in Algeria or Morocco or Tunisia or Egypt, don't work mm-hmm. money on A-levels. Mm-hmm. A lot of students in Zambia have unlimited resources. Zambia is still a country that is developing and 70, I don't know, 55% is still rural area and 45% is urban. A lot of people come from places that, where they're they're not financially stable, so don't trouble your parents asking for money for A-levels. Just apply. As we said, the most important thing is get good results at grade 12. And once you apply, there will be an opportunity for you. If you don't get selected the first year, the following year, there will be another opportunity. Yeah. So that is something that you should just, that's, that's the thing that you should focus on. Don't waste money on A-levels. That's what I would say to school leavers out there. Okay.
so can you kind of like briefly explain how the education system is i don't know if you can say in algeria or in your school because i guess different schools and countries kind of lean on different types of academic systems there are some schools which are very big on essays some are not some take oral exams some don't so like what is the situation for you guys outside and if there's a difference how does it differ from the one we have in zambia in algeria i would say i don't know how which part i'm supposed to focus on with that question but let me just explain whatever came to my mind mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to exams in algeria most exams are not in essay form most exams are multiple choice questions who have a system called tout or yeah mm-hmm. tout or rien. so tout or rien means all or nothing so you get a question for example maybe they ask you concerning uh, let's say the heart mm-hmm. the, the question can just be concerning the heart mm-hmm. then they give you four different options select the options that are correct about the heart mm-hmm. or concerning the system endocrine mm-hmm. concerning the endocrine system mm-hmm. select the things that are correct so if the the, the 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 answers that are correct on that question if you have like four choices and three choices are correct mm-hmm. if you pick two choices that are correct but you leave out the third choice you get a zero okay. if you pick one choice that is correct and you leave out the other two you also get a zero if you pick two choices that are correct and then the third choice is wrong you also get a zero so you're supposed to get the three responses that are correct all together that's when you get your mark that's the system called tutorial as tough. I mean, we have something like that here. It kind of started when we had COVID and we had to do our exams online. And it also happens with some classes where there are some demanding classes whereby you don't only have to be present in the class, but during the lesson, maybe you do multiple choice questions, you will solve some kind of situational tasks. And then at the end of the course, you also make like an abstract or presentation or something like that. So when we have multiple choice questions, we also have something like that. But for us, we did not necessarily notice it because i mean the teachers did not name it they just say multiple choice questions so you'll be surprised because we do it online on a pc or phone or any device so like you find that the computer is showing you that you have 0.37 what is the meaning of 0.37 so as we continue to use it we discover that it has a lot of answers and if you don't select all of them it means it's going to make the whole thing wrong. Yeah. Or if it was one and you select a lot, again, it's wrong. Yeah, I think that's a good system for medical students. Because if, let's say, you meet a patient and you have the patient has a problem with their tooth and you're looking at, uh, let's say, the problem specifically is pupit in French. Mm-hmm. And the pupit has certain symptoms. Mm-hmm. the malad pupit has certain symptoms and if they're asking you the question is asking you on the symptoms of this uh, problem mm-hmm. and you miss out one symptom m- missing out one symptom makes everything wrong mm-hmm. missing out one symptom can make the whole diagnosis wrong so yeah. you have to know your information precisely yeah and i wouldn't complain much about the system it sucks that it's like that but that's what you need in medical school you need to know everything specifically you have a lot of diseases that have similar symptoms you find that they have six similar symptoms and then 
only differ with one symptom. Exactly. So if you make that one mistake, you can make a wrong diagnosis and give a patient wrong medication. You're going to end up killing somebody. So mm -hmm. you need to know your information precisely. And that system helps you to be focused on memorizing each and every detail that you need in the real world, in the real practice. Yeah, that's so true. I agree with what you say because I was about to say like the one symptom is actually the thing which is going to help you in the differential diagnosis. Exactly. You have everything the same and only one thing is going to differ if it's this one and this one. And the cause of treatment is different for those two separate diseases. So when you mix things up, like your patient is gone and then you have relatives coming to you which you don't want. So Yeah, yeah. like, the thing that I was explaining concerning pupit, like, I, I don't know, I'll quick, I'll try to explain it as much as I can in English terms. Like pupit is like uh, the, when you have a carrier and it reaches the, the pulp chamber, mm -hmm. then there is also an dentinit when you have a carrier and then it reaches the dentine. Uh, the dentine. Mm -hmm. Yes, the dentine. Mm -hmm. So when you have those two and the, you're trying to do diagnosis of one of those problems, you don't know which one it is uh, between the two. And let's say you, you're you using test de froid, you're trying to test using coldness, mm -hmm. then you like add some coldness to the tooth, you apply some coldness to the, the tooth, then the patient will experience some sensibility. Mm -hmm. The patient will be able to feel that coldness for either of them. Mm -hmm. But what's going to differentiate the the two is that once you remove the, the coldness that you apply to the tooth, mm -hmm. if it's pupit, the patient may still feel the sensibility after you've removed the, the coldness. But if it's denting it, the, the sensibility goes away right away when you remove the coldness. Mm -hmm. So the difference there is just that uh, the, the one part where when you've removed the, the, the stimulus, mm -hmm. for one, the response quickly stops. For the other one, the response continues just a few seconds after. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know those details, if you don't know those details and the question is asking you about pupit and you've forgotten that one detail that uh, for pupit, once you remove the stimulus, mm -hmm. uh, the stimulus, the, the response may still continue a few seconds after. If you've forgotten that and you didn't select that response, which means you didn't memorize well and you can end up uh, having a problem when dealing with patients and you can end up having a, a wrong diagnosis yeah. instead of pupit you select dentinit and then you don't do the proper treatment so you need to ensure that you're you're accurate in your in your studies you need to ensure that you get each and every detail that you need yeah. and the system that we have here forces you to do that whether you like it or not That was a great explanation. So, um, speaking of academics and studies, what do you think are some of the most helpful resources you use uh, for your studies? Is it YouTube or things in those lines? The most helpful sources are your professors. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would tell any student. Like, use your professors as much as possible here's the thing we live in the world now where there is so much information mm -hmm. so you can go to youtube you'll find information about periodontology that's like uh, one of the modules that i have mm -hmm. you go to google you also find information about periodontology you go to instagram you also find information about periodontology mm -hmm. but whoever's teaching you 
you're not sure if they're, they're legit. Mm-hmm. There is no guarantee that those people are giving you the right information. So use your professors, the people that you're dealing with in real life, use them. Mm-hmm. Even them, you know, you may not be sure if they've told you the wrong thing, but it's better you learn from people that uh, are with you, mm-hmm. people that you can question once don't understand something. So use your professors as much as possible. Use the materials that the professors give you as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So for any student that's going to come to Algeria or Morocco to start dentistry or medicine, mm-hmm. they shouldn't be focused so much on whichever book that they've heard of from anybody mm-hmm. that they think they're supposed to use. Mm-hmm. Maybe they had a certain student at CBU that taught them about a certain book that's super useful. And then they think, I just need to use this book when I go to this country. No, mm-hmm. come here, focus on whatever the professors will teach you here. Then you can do research from various sources. You can obviously use YouTube as a research purpose. You can use Google as a research purpose. You can use Instagram as a research purpose. You find a lot of dentists over there and they're doing uh, explanations on a lot of uh, dentistry issues they are doing maybe practicals in dentistry so mm-hmm. you can learn a lot from them but if you already have the best from your professors whatever research that you go into the person that you're listening to the person that is tutoring you in on youtube mm-hmm. makes a mistake be able to maybe spot out some of the mistakes and not apply them in whatever you're gonna practice yeah i didn't see that answer coming but it's so true because, like, why go to other places when what you want is right in front of you, right? And you have people on YouTube, mm-hmm. Instagram, teaching dentistry, but they're still students. Yeah. And if you're a student of dentistry or medicine mm-hmm. and you are somebody that concentrates on your studies, you end up finding mistakes with what some of the students are doing. You end up finding, you find that they gave a wrong explanation. Mm-hmm. But their audience, their audience doesn't understand that because their audience are just normal people that are not studying medicine. So you realize that if your friends are making those mistakes, there could be somebody else that you meet on YouTube that you don't know and could be making the same mistakes but they're teaching you. But everybody that is a content creator brands themselves as a specialist. They brand themselves as somebody that knows a lot about this particular field. So you can never be sure on who is legit. Mm -hmm. It's better you use your professors that... You're 100% sure these people are qualified doctors, these people. They've been in this field for a long time and they can give you everything that you need to be a good dentist. Yeah, that's so true. I think one of our professors in first year was saying, like, be careful which lectures you watch on YouTube. Like, don't watch lectures which are taught by students. Watch something which is at least being explained by professors because they are professors with YouTube channels these days. And they kind of make an archive of all the lectures you need for a specific course. And our school has some recommendations for, like, if you don't understand what we teach you here, this is what you can use for history this is what you can use for anatomy so yeah because i get if you're both the tutor and the student are ignorant about the thing it means the wrong information will keep on like spreading from one person to the other exactly and what you explained about the recommendations that the professors give you even here it happens our professors will direct us to a specific channel that we were supposed to go to Mm -hmm. and learn about that particular subject so yeah when students come here they should know that whatever they need they will be given direction by their professors that's what the professors are there for to help you yeah Okay, so at this point in time, which year are you in right now? 
I'm currently in fourth year. Oh, you're far gone. Yeah, maybe it's two years. Yeah. So at this point, what would you say are the pros and cons of studying in Algeria slash abroad? Uh, one of the pros is you have some money. <laughs> 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 okay. when, when you have been handed the opportunity to study abroad in Zambia, we understand that it's a government bursary, so you're going to be paid. That's one of the pros. Mm-hmm. That's one of the the first thing that every student is looking for, to have an opportunity to study in a country where their studies will be paid for and they will also be paid for their, for their stay in that country. So that's an advantage to being at maybe... A certain university in Zambia. Mm-hmm. Of course, some students at CBU and Wounds also get paid, but being on a government scholarship in whatever country, Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia, it will help you with whatever financial burdens that you might have and it will help your parents. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that might not come from financially stable homes, mm-hmm. if you come here and you know how to manage your resources, you will not need to demand for any money from your parents. Then. I think the second pro is general life here. Speaking for Algeria, general life here in Algeria is quite cheap. Mm-hmm. You don't have to spend a lot of your resources. And I think that's an advantage to any student that comes here, any foreign student here finds it uh, quite very good. Mm-hmm. Students from Zimbabwe, Morocco. No, we don't have students from Morocco. Students from Zimbabwe, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. They sort of all agree here that the life here is quite cheaper compared to our countries mm-hmm. so that's another advantage and then the other one i'll just say it's great to meet people from different walks of life from different countries yeah and also people here in algeria are quite welcoming mm-hmm. so it's great to interact with the natives here and to interact with other black students from other parts of africa and to be able to connect on different issues of life being able to learn from their way of life and them being able to learn from your way of life it always gives you a different perspective about life. Generally, whichever part of the world that you can be in, if all the information that you consume is about your country, you are kind of limited in your mindset, you're kind of limited in, the way, in your way of thinking. So that's one opportunity that I think uh, we are granted by being here. Mm-hmm. And even students that are in Zambia, you, you also have an opportunity to interact with uh, people that are in different parts of the world mm-hmm. because we're living in a global world. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying if you're in Zambia, then you don't have that chance to interact with uh, uh, people that are outside the country. You can interact with people that are in Morocco, Zambia, uh, Algeria, Russia. Just having that opportunity to interact with other people is great for anybody. So the fact that we're doing it in person with these people that are coming from different countries mm-hmm makes me feel good it, it feels like an advantage to me yeah but it's something that anybody can mm-hmm. and then the disadvantages i can't come up with any at the top of my head but one thing that i would just say is being away from your family like i'm sure everybody that is in a foreign nation they love their family so much and they would want to be around them but once you go out you find that you only get the chance to visit home maybe once a year or twice a year for me i stayed here for four years mm-hmm. the only time that i got an opportunity to visit home was the past summer that's the only time that i went back to zambia mm-hmm. in four years and it was tough during that four years not being able to see my young siblings my parents my older siblings mm-hmm. just 
not having that chance to speak to them as often is what I would say is a disadvantage of being here. Yeah, being far from home is hard because you cannot just think of like, okay, tomorrow I want to go home and you easily go. It comes with a lot of planning, finances and everything in between. Yeah. What advice would you give to people who want to come and pursue dentistry in Algeria? I don't know if it's academic advice. I mean, any kind of advice you can give them, which you feel like you haven't been able to talk about. I think anybody that wants to do their studies in, in a foreign nation, I will give general advice mm-hmm. because, as I said, most school leavers don't know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Even I knew that I was going to study dentistry when I was given, when they called me and said, can you do dentistry? I said, yeah. That was the time that I knew that I'm going to study dentistry. Mm-hmm. So I can't give advice that relates to dentistry in particular because uh, for a lot of students, they, once they get op- the opportunity, that's the time that they know what they're actually going to do. Yeah. But before that, there's just so much undecided and it's okay to be undecided. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the the first advice that I would give, like, don't panic, don't worry. Mm-hmm. It's okay that you don't know what you're going to do. You're still young, you still have a lot of life to live. You can make, I'm not saying you can go on and make wrong decisions, but you can make different choices and it may turn out to be good still. Mm-hmm. But just be sure that whichever choice that you make, you're going to 100% put in all your efforts. Mm-hmm. That's the, the first thing that I would say. And then the second thing is be yourself. Mm-hmm. Once you complete high school and you want to find yourself at whichever university, you need to keep yourself identity. You don't need to lose yourself, whether it's in society or whether you when you come to university. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I noticed for a lot of students is when they complete high school, they find themselves in groups that they're not supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. They find themselves being influenced by their friends. You don't need to become a photocopy of your friend. Be yourself. And I'm going to speak for students that I know come from homes that are not financially stable. Mm-hmm. Certain people in Zambia come from villages, mm-hmm. come from a place where even when they present the idea of a scholarship, their parents against that their parents don't understand it Mm -hmm. and when their parents finally allow them to go and pursue that dream to go and try to apply Mm -hmm. you find that they give them limited resources so if you're this type of person that once you come to Lusaka you want to live the life that you can't afford Mm -hmm. then that's gonna be tough for you yeah you're gonna be finding yourself going to intercontinental hotel with your friends, spending 200 kwacha on a meal when you can go to a market deborah and buy a meal for Sparta. <laughs> there are people who are even going to intercontinental. <laughs> These things happen. These things happen. You find yourself in expensive restaurants, but you can't afford that. You still are depending on your parents, but you're busy trying to live the life that you can't afford. So mm-hmm. that's the advice that I would give to the school leavers out there. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Don't try to lose your identity. Yeah. And then... The other one would be be patient. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I always had that patience, but I think I was patient enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was patient enough. But everybody has those moments where they just worried. They're like, "What's gonna happen? Am I gonna get picked? Am I gonna have this opportunity to get the scholarship this year?" But 
don't worry about it. Be patient. The time will come. If it's meant for you, it will eventually come to you. If you did well at grade 12, you applied, you did everything that you need to, to do. Just wait for your opportunity. Your turn will come. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. If you don't get picked the first year, you get the chance second year. Mm-hmm. There are some of my friends that didn't have the opportunity to get picked in the first year that they applied in 2018. Mm-hmm. The following year, they found themselves picked. Mm-hmm. Russia now, then China, some of them. So an opportunity to always rise once you have everything in place, once you have all the right things that you need. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, I don't know if it's going to be the last one, but yeah, the fourth point would be be a little stubborn. Okay. On your dreams. Like, as I explained, like, the people that come from parts of the country where when they present this idea of a scholarship to their parents, their parents don't understand. Mm-hmm. And having had the opportunity to live a well-rounded life, I come from a very small part of Zambia. I come from Petauke, which is a small district in the eastern part of Zambia. And Petauke is 70% rural area and 30% urban. Yeah. So... I've met school leavers from different walks of life and some of them, their dreams get crushed by their own families. Mm-hmm. So you have to be stubborn somehow. You have to, I don't mean be disrespectful, but be stubborn that you're going to pursue your dreams no matter who believes in them or who doesn't believe in them. Yeah. Not everyone is going to understand and support your dreams. Mm-hmm. So you have to be your number one supporter. You have to be the one that believes in yourself no matter if anybody else doesn't believe in you mm-hmm. yeah even when i was applying not everybody in my family believed in the dream no but not everybody believed that it was something that i was supposed to do mm-hmm. but i still said i'm gonna do this i remember one time i was talking with my father i said i want to apply for the scholarship he said why don't you just stay in zambia your brother's studied in Zambia and they're okay why don't you just study in Zambia I said I think it's a great opportunity for me I feel like if I'm awarded this scholarship I will reduce the financial burden on you mm-hmm. but in whichever way that I tried to explain it it was difficult for him to understand mm-hmm. so my brother that I was staying with in Lusaka is the one who understood well what I was going for and he was the one that kind of helped me to convince the dream to to my parents Mm -hmm. and even if they weren't fully supportive they still managed to support somehow they still managed to pump in resources for me to be able to apply and finish the whole process Mm -hmm. and i remember when i went back home last summer Mm -hmm. and i was talking with my father was eating supper and was just having discussions about several Mm -hmm. issues of life and he just started speaking on his own was like i didn't know that you getting this opportunity to start outside the country would ease so much on me, would make a lot of things easy for me. Yeah. I didn't know that it would be like that. That's not how I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that you were handed this opportunity. It's been so much easier for me to support your young sisters. They're living the life that you didn't have mm-hmm. an opportunity. You didn't enjoy or you wanted to enjoy when you were in high school. But them, they're able to to enjoy that because you've reduced that financial burden on me. I was like, oh, thank you. At least yeah. now you get it. Yeah. So your parents or your friends or your brothers, they're not always going to get it. Mm-hmm. But later on, they're going to appreciate the fact that you went after your dreams and you've accomplished them. And now you're somebody that is uh, successful in whatever you wanted. Afterwards, they're going to look at you and say, yeah, this is incredible. Yeah. So be stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what? I agree with you because I feel like that story, I resonate with it a lot. And it's not like I have, I had it with a brother or a sister who was going to understand me. Like there was no one. And I was stubborn. Like it's not like the people were giving wrong advice. What they were saying was true. But I was like, you guys are not even there. So you don't know what you're talking about. But that was in my head. <laughs> in my head. Yes. That was in my head. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, I agree because you know, in these families, they have like the traditional route which most people take. In other families, there's no route whatsoever. You might be like the firstborn. Yes. Or, you know what? There's just this usual thing which people do. And if you want to do something different, you need to be ready to be your number one advocate. That's one. Let me say one more thing. Because mm-hmm. uh, as I explained, I understand that 55% of Zambia is still rural and 45% is urban. Mm-hmm. If you're a high school liver and you're still living in a rural community, take chances on yourself, bet on yourself, go to these urban places, go and find out how to apply to these universities, to these scholarships that have been advertised. There are no universities in your village. You can just stick there and start farming. Like, mm-hmm. I want to give this advice because I've seen school leavers when I was young, where they complete high school, then they just start doing the normal thing that everybody else is doing in their villages yeah then they miss out on so many opportunities that are out there mm-hmm. so speak to your families speak to your parents speak to whoever is gonna help you go after whichever dream you have like mm-hmm. explain to them what you want to do come to lusaka Ask how to apply for the bazaars. Ask how to apply for scholarships to study abroad. Ask how to apply to the University of Zambia. I didn't have that information. I found out for myself. Once I completed high school, I stayed with my brother in Lusaka. And I had to find out myself how to apply from first step to the end. Even at the University of Zambia, I didn't know how to apply. Mm -hmm. CBU, I didn't know. Scholarships, I didn't know. I had to find out myself. Mm -hmm. So if you stay in your comfort zone, whatever small town that you come from, and then you believe everything is just going to work itself out. It's not going to be like that. If you have a dream, you have to take steps towards achieving that dream. Yeah. So do whatever I advise to do. <laughs> it's going yeah. to be helpful at the end of the day for you. Yeah, that's so true. In fact, you can just send the podcast to your friend. This is the aim of the podcast to help people know like the opportunities which are there right because i mean i also lived in a rural area for quite a long time and when the scholarship advertisement was coming out like i didn't even know about it my friend and my teacher from school is the one who sent it to me like i mean i knew one person who had a scholarship he went to morocco he was the head boy of our school like i was just one intake behind him he went in 2018 i guess together with you guys and then yes i came here in 2019 so like i was like oh so you can do this but my question was how exactly how like where do you even start where do you get the information and how do i now convince my parents that I can do this because if I convince them, it means I can be, I will be able to get all the resources I need to do the whole thing because it's not free. I mean, I did not even have a passport. So I feel like now I'm making the story about me, but anyways, since it came up, I'll just explain. But uh, the thing is that there are so many opportunities in the world and 
you just don't know how you're going to get to know them so you need to ask your friends the friends of your brother like any kind of rumor which you heard about ask about yeah. it and find out how to do it because in your city or in your village or wherever you live people do things the way they do them it's kind of like a culture yeah. or a rites of passage what we did our children are going to do and stuff like that if you want something different first of all you need to find a way to find it when you find it you need to be able to be an advocate for yourself you ask your parents you help them understand yes like just because they don't understand it doesn't mean they're bad parents they genuinely don't know because they did something else like it's okay to not know things and for them trying to take you through this traditional route it means that is what they believe in because they've seen results but you can bet on yourself and help them understand this because if everything goes well, you will be able to show them those results and therefore you'll be able to help not only your family but even people in your community, the other kinds of opportunities which are there because, I mean, when we are all applying to University of Zambia or CBU or whichever university you're applying to in your country, the opportunities are limited. So the more opportunities you know of, the better. Yes. Like you, you stand a high chance of at least going to one of these places. So you need to be able to just find a way of making your parents understand, explain to them, you know, keep them informed about everything which is going on. If they do not pick you, tell them they do not pick you. If they did, you move on. So, yeah. You explained it well. You explained it the way it's supposed to be explained. And the, your stories actually helpful even if you said i think i'm making this about myself no it's actually helpful because there are people that are there right now coming from places that you came from and if they can understand your story and they can see where you are now and see where you came from they can be able to believe in their dreams as well they can be able to see that they can also accomplish what they believe they can mm -hmm. and we're living in a technologically advanced world so mm -hmm. people from whatever places that you come from in zambia if you know if you know somebody that is abroad, contact them. Don't be afraid. I'm mm -hmm. sure these people are readily available to help you. Mm -hmm. I had a boy that was at the school where I was in eighth and ninth grade. Mm -hmm. He would, when he completed high school, he would like always contact me. Ah, I was speaking Yanja. I would say, Wakamba, ah, mm -hmm. my scholarship at Bwanj. Mm -hmm. uh, whenever they advertise, I will like send you the link. Mm -hmm. And whenever when when the scholarships were advertised. I sent him the link. I sent him everything that he needed to know about scholarships. Mm -hmm. And even if it was difficult for him to convince his parents because they also couldn't understand how to do that, he was at least able to have an opportunity to apply, even if it didn't, it didn't work out mm -hmm. for him. But he tried applying, and then later on, he was granted an opportunity to go to the Copper Belt University. But one thing I liked about him was he was persistent at wanting to find out how to do these things. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure even if he wasn't picked, have a chance to help somebody else, who have a chance to explain to somebody else that comes from his place, maybe mm -hmm. a young brother, a young sister, or any friend that, a young friend that he knows, you have an opportunity to explain to them how to go about the procedure because I had given him all the information that he needed to know. And yeah. even if it didn't work out for him, it might work out for somebody else that mm -hmm. he knows or somebody else that is close to him. Yeah. Speaking of technology and friends, if you have a phone, you're already in a better position because let me tell you something, I did not have a phone when I was applying. So like I knew about the thing, 
and i told my friends who had phones and facebook accounts like when you see this um advertisement or something like just send me the picture i will find the phone to log in on facebook to go and check what you sent so like if you already have yours like you can literally go and subscribe I mean, go and follow the pages of the Higher Education Loans and Scholarship Board, for example, and be checking for yourself, you know? So, like, yeah, just be asking, asking your friends. Even if you've not necessarily heard of people who have gone to different places or you want to still study in your home country, the whole process of, like, going to UNSA, for example, not everybody knows it. I mean, I don't know it myself because... Um, I did not really try it per se. I was trying to go through an agency which was applying for people at UNSA. I did not do it myself, so I don't know. But um, you can ask your friends and your friends can show you because the same classmates you had, for example, you guys finished school at the same time. So it's most likely that you'll be applying to kind of the same things or the same places. So you can ask them like, okay, what are you guys applying for? How are you doing it and stuff like that? They'll tell you. So yeah, that's that. Did you have any false expectations or myths about the place you were going to, which you found out not to be true? I think I didn't because there is one principle that I always understood, and that is we always can have false perceptions about a place or a certain group of people. Mm -hmm. So for me, I tried by all means to not have any expectations, mm -hmm. not have any preconceived notions about the Algerian people or the country. So I just came here with an open mind to learn about the Algerian way of life and obviously get my degree. Mm -hmm. And when I came here, I found that everything went smooth for me. Mm -hmm. One thing that uh, a lot of people would scare you about was racism yeah whichever foreign nation that you can go to you're gonna face racism maybe in Nigeria or Russia or China but when you go to these places you realize that it's not as rampant as people talk about it yeah it's not as common it's something that happens rarely and it's something that can't affect you from pursuing that which you came here for yeah and I think that's the mindset that every student that is in Zambia should have don't have these uh, ideas that somebody has told you about and these people haven't even been to these places. It's funny how people that will tell you about racism in whichever country, they haven't even been to these places. They'll tell you about how China is so racist, but they haven't been to China. Exactly. They'll tell you about how Russia is so racist, but they haven't been to Russia. So be careful which information you get and where you get it from. Mm -hmm. Whichever idea that you have, critical analyze it and if the person that is giving you that idea, you don't believe this person has got uh, good information this person doesn't have information that is coming from a valuable source mm -hmm. then you don't need to have that idea then you just need to go and find out for yourself mm -hmm. yeah that's when betting yeah. on yourself comes in like you said exactly yeah okay so from me i'm getting the vibes of like this motivated person who knows what they want and are ready to do what they have to do to get it how did this kind of mindset come about? Um, I don't know if you understand my question. Say, the question is weird, but I understand what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> Where did this 
positive mindset determination come from? That's what you're asking. Yeah, exactly. I think it came from my parents. Mm -hmm. And that is not from them pushing me. That is from me hearing stories of their life. Okay. As I said, I come from a small place. Mm -hmm. I come from Petaoke. And Petaoke is 70% rural, 30% uh, urban. And I don't know how accurate those statistics are. Mm -hmm. They're just my approximations. Mm -hmm. So I spent the first 13 years of my life living in a village. Mm -hmm. My father is a school teacher and he has spent all his career offering services to his community. It's something that he finds so much pride in to be able to give back to the community that gave so much to him. Mm -hmm. So I was born in a village. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a village mm -hmm. and I didn't have exposure to a lot of modern stuff. But the one thing that I had that was super important for me was stories of my parents, stories of their life. Mm -hmm. For me, just hearing about how tough it was for them and how they were so determined, how they never lost hope, that was enough for me mm -hmm. to go and live my life with so much determination, for me to go and live my life, never losing hope, to go and live my life, never giving up on whatever opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you maybe a brief story about them so that you can understand what I'm talking about. Okay. My parents got married when my mother was 18 and my father was 21. They had both dropped out of school yeah. in the 80s. School wasn't that expensive, but they came from extremely poverty-stricken places and their parents couldn't afford to provide the simple basic needs that they needed. So they both dropped out of school mm -hmm. and got married. They started working together. Mm -hmm. Then my father was able to go back to school. Imagine going back to school after 21. Yeah. He went back to school and completed high school at the age of 26. And then later on, it was difficult for him to get funds to go to college. So he stayed in society for a couple of years, went to college at the age of 30. And then at 33, he became a school teacher. Mm -hmm. And just that story was enough. Mm -hmm for me to be able to see how determined they were working together, how their special bond, how their love was just yeah. something incredible, how they pushed each other, how my mom was supportive of my father, mm -hmm. how she stood by him in those mm -hmm. days when he didn't have anything, how they worked together tirelessly. So yeah. that is a story that I always kept by me. That's something that I always remembered throughout my life thinking, look how hard it was for my parents. And quite right, I might have mm -hmm. had problems in my life too. I might have had my own challenges, but my challenges don't compare to the challenges that my parents had. So if my parents were able mm -hmm. to pursue their dreams and accomplish them, then despite any challenges that I can have, I can also be able to pursue whatever I think I can do. I can also be able to surpass any limits that life can put on me. And that's uh, yeah. where all this, the determination that probably you've noticed in me comes from. <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful story. You just changed my life. <laughs> that was crazy. Like going back to high school, at, is it, you say 21 years, right? Yes, 21, that's when they got married. I think he went back to high school at 23, I think so. Mm -hmm. Which is also crazy. I mean, like he was determined, like he went... And became a teacher at 33. This is, I mean, you could easily give up at this point in your life. Like, I can't go to high school. Like, 
let me just stay, you know. It can be easy to think yeah. in those lines and not decide to go back. But he went back and still did something for himself, which is amazing. Yeah, and a lot of people actually give up. Mm -hmm. People that are just maybe ages 21, they think they're too old to be in high school. Yeah. They think, because normally nowadays, the age that most students complete high school is 18 and 17 so yeah. there are certain students that even feel shy to reveal their age to their friends because they think they're too old mm -hmm. but that shouldn't be a problem pursue your dreams go to school learn what you need to learn apply yeah at the end of the day it won't matter what your friends thought of you mm -hmm. what will matter is are you living the life that you wanted to live yeah and the thing is people are always going to have something to say if you are very young in school they'll say she's a child what is she doing here what is he what is she doing here if you're slightly older than them again they'll have something to say so it's like you might as well just do what you have to do rather than listening to all the noise okay. yeah Negativity is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. It's about how you react to it. Exactly. You can't afford to let it affect you. Yeah. I was watching this video on YouTube about stoicism, which, I mean, stoic, I don't know if you know it, stoic, stoic people are kind of, they say that they are the kind of people where, like, you basically choose not to react to things. Let's say you receive a youtuber and you receive like bad comments and people are hating on you or they create this whole reddit thread where they're just kind of roasting you yes. i mean yeah it's not kind and nice to receive that bad information but you basically choose how you react to it you can choose not to let that information destroy you and keep on moving and also even if it's not a conscious decision but when you react to it and let it destroy you it's still also a decision so yeah. yeah, negativity is actually going to be there literally everywhere. Exactly. And even if it's a good thing, someone will see something which they do not like. And for some reason, they feel the need to tell you. Yes. And that's why I also mentioned the part where you have to be yourself. I think earlier I mentioned how you have to be yourself all the time because people mm -hmm. get influenced by negativity that it affects them and they lose their identity. No, remain stoic to what you are. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, to be about your happiness when you are 40, 50, you can't be thinking, I didn't do this because my brother, I didn't do this because of my parents, I didn't do this because of what. Mm -hmm. But this, nobody said to you. You won't even remember some of these people. Mm -hmm. So you'll be blaming whichever people that might have said this negative stuff to you. But the biggest person to blame is yourself because you're the person that decided not to stand firm mm -hmm. on your dreams. You're the person that decided not to be stubborn, to go after whatever you want. You can't let anybody bring you down. Yeah. I think the part that I would emphasize on is be happy. Mm -hmm. I would like to conclude by giving a quote that my mom used to say, and I'll say it in Nyanja, then I'll translate it in English. She used to say, Chenifuni si samaning inikuti vana vanga wakondwele wakangale na umoyo wabuino, which translates to English as, the thing that I want the most is that my children should be happy and have a beautiful life. Yeah. So one thing that I would encourage everybody out there is, 
be happy in whatever you do. And if you have a beautiful life, that's the most important thing. Don't worry about any negativity that can come towards your way. Mm-hmm. Are there any links you would like me to share in the show notes if you're maybe working on something on the internet? I don't know, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. People can just follow my page. My Facebook page is Edson Mumba. Mm-hmm. Then uh Instagram page too, which is Edson Mumba 06. Mm-hmm. I don't share much content right now, but I've got plans to start sharing some content that concerns dentistry, to start mm-hmm. sharing whatever knowledge that I've gained so far. Mm-hmm. And I'll do that eventually. I'm not ready right now, but if they want to follow me and they want to know more about my life, they can just check out Edson Mumba on Instagram or Facebook. Now, Edson, thank you so much for coming on the podcast i enjoyed listening to your story and i've personally learned a lot i'm sure even the listeners will learn a lot from it yeah so thank you so much for finding the time to be here okay thank you for having me all right guys that brings us to the end of today's episode thank you so much for staying with us till the end of this episode and i wish you a very happy and successful 2023